Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to the Politics Guys with your hosts, Dave Carson and Michael Darnowski. Welcome to the Politics Guys. I'm Michael Baranowski, a political scientist at Northern Kentucky University. My co-host this week, as always, is Cleveland area attorney and sometime Republican strategist Jay Carson. Here's our Ask the Politics Guys question for this week, Jay. Okay. It comes from Samantha in Honolulu. Wow. Yeah. Dear Politics Guys, how can we fix our broken primary system? Well, that's a that is a that's a tough one, and I and I think. There's an assumption built in there that the the process is broken. Um, it's assumption. It well yeah, it's an assumption a lot of people share, certainly. Yeah. And you know, um, we we talked just before we go on, but we talked about this in the show on Sunday that a lot of people are hugely unhappy with the candidates that have emerged from the primary system, which I think is probably the reason that you know this question came out of it. When when you have a system that gives you Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump as your nominees, you start to wonder is there something wrong with the system. Right, right, uh, and there may well be, um, as I said before. Um, you know, I guess if the first thing is is you look at is is what is the primary process uh, meant for? Um, you know, we didn't always have primaries. Uh, it used to be the literal little smoke filled rooms. Uh, then we would have sort of kind of primaries of you know party bigwigs and so forth would vote, uh, all subject to kind of their own rules. Uh, and then I, I think starting in the, the 60s and 70s, and Mike, you can probably know the, the ac- actual dates, uh, we expanded to to sort of the system we have now, yeah. which is more or less a universal primaries uh, state by state. Uh, and you get sort of the weird situation of various states jockeying to be uh, first and so forth. Uh, and various conspiracy theorists, I don't say conspiracy theorists, maybe just theorists, uh, have suggested that um, – you know the the setup, the way you know Iowa goes first and New Hampshire goes second, and so forth, uh, is is meant to elicit a certain uh, type of candidate. I don't know that that's that's true. Um, I would say more that the candidates sometimes reflect the prejudices of those of those states, um, like ethanol or something. But um, you know, regardless, uh, we're also sort of realizing that um, that that. Uh, uh, voting in primaries doesn't always matter, at least it's not as much as we, we used to think. So um, I guess, you know, whether the system is broken depends on how you think it ought to have worked in the first place, whether it ought to get the candidate that best reflects the ideological leanings of the party, the candidate who's most electable. Um, I, I don't know. And, and different people define that different ways. So, yeah. I mean, this is a tough question. I'm, yeah, I should point out that there actually have been primaries for Quite a long period of time, though, uh, up until really the uh, up until really almost the, the 19, late 60s, 1970s, 70s. a lot of them were actually what were called beauty contest primaries, which meant that the results were non-binding. Uh, the delegates weren't in any way connected to the primary results, so they could take that into consideration. And as Jay mentioned, as you mentioned, that a lot of the uh, actual decision-making was done by these party elites, these delegates who were elected or picked in the party conventions, state party conventions. And of course, that was the sort of thing that was the province of the of the, the big wigs and the smokefield rooms and that sort of thing. And there were some people who would argue that that absolutely led to 
better candidates, more qualified candidates, and uh, more uh, uh, acceptable, electable kind of candidates, you know. But but I think, you know, there are a number of issues with this sort of democratic, much more democratic system that we've, we've gotten to. Uh, there are at least, I think, three or four, I would say, that people have. Uh, number one is the issue of representativeness in that sense of, uh, and you, you kind of talked about this with Ohio, with, with Ohio, with Iowa and New Hampshire's, which state should go first? I mean, should the states that, uh, should there be any kind of relationship between how representative of the country as a whole states are and when they go in the process? There's also the issue of what's called, uh, political scientists call front-loading. The idea that should there be a whole bunch of primaries at the very beginning of the process, now those are the primaries that tend to matter the most, it would be better to have them more spread out which is kind of related to the issue of compression. Do we want a whole bunch of primaries all together or do we want them more spread out? And then finally, there's the issue of superdelegates. Is to what extent do we want people who are casting votes for the party's nominee who are in no way bound to the popular choice of actual voters? And, you know, those are all, I think, important considerations. And both parties have changed how they've dealt with those issues and they've gotten different results uh, as, a, as a result of that. You know, and uh, we've talked about this before on the show. The fact that the Democratic Party has, a, has rules that have, you know, have a lot of superdelegates and not only that, but they have what's called a proportionality rule has basically stacked the deck for Hillary Clinton. And under those mm-hmm. same rules, Donald Trump might very well not be the Republican Party's nominee, and the Republican Party has very different rules, right? I would say if the Democrat rules applied to the Republican Party, he would absolutely not be the nominee. Yeah. And so these rules, as we said before, they're, they're hugely important. And I think, it's, I think it's a safe bet to say if things go as we expect them to go in the 2016 election, that is with Hillary Clinton beating Donald Trump, that the Republican Party is going to go back and they're they're going to tinker with their rules, maybe even more than a little bit, because if they had more superdelegates, that would be a, a big block against, you know, someone like a Donald Trump candidacy. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, this this election has has reminded us um, that that the primaries are, again, not entirely representative. This is not an actual election uh in the sense that you're you're voting for the candidate and that means that candidate gets your votes uh you're voting for a delegate who goes to a convention who is bound by that convention's rules uh then those rules might change um uh, sort of at the whim of the people at the convention because it is sort of uh their club their rules yeah uh and and it's it's we've sort of expanded the you know the federal voting system to help accommodate this for the two major parties um it's something it's a little interesting though another piece of of how the primary process helps um and this this it's it's probably not coincidental that it arises starting in the, the 60s 70s um but it's vetting candidates absolutely um, yeah uh, there was a piece uh, a couple weeks ago on the news uh, about the downfall of Gary Hart um who was was seemed to be cruising towards the democratic nomination in um uh, 1984 uh, when, uh, you know, he, he challenged the media to follow him around based on, you know, rumors of, of infidelity. Uh, and they did, and they took pictures of him on the, the yacht, uh, aptly named monkey business. Um, with a woman the, on his lap, who was not his wife, not his wife. Also, I think she was also, was she also wearing a monkey business t-shirt? He had the monkey business t-shirt. There was monkey business um, somewhere. Yeah, it's exactly. Right, it was one absolutely. of the most wonderful, um, 
uh, and I. Uh, yeah, but in my was she the one who avenged? Was she then later uh, arrested for eating banana on the uh, the DC uh, Metro? Wow, was I, it her? Was it, or was it her? Or was it Fawn Hall? Geez, I don't know. We're getting really kind of into the the eighties, right. early nineties weeds on that. But but we'll I mean, look that one up. yeah, your your larger but, but point. My, my, my point is, uh, in this the hypermedia. Um, universe that we now live in again which we couldn't even have really predicted um in the in the late 60s early 70s uh and and really probably started you know in this the mid 80s with with like the gary hart type thing uh it serves a purpose in that it gets the dirty laundry out there quickly and candidates and parties know uh what their candidates strengths and weaknesses are um now, in this case, with with a Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton, it's sort of it's all out there and nobody cares. But and that right. that's sort of a different issue. But but not only that, I mean, you know, we if we take a look at this this uh, current election, right? That the couple of people who came into the process looking like strong favorites, Scott Walker and Jeb Bush, people who had won statewide elections, had executive experience, who seemed to kind of fit the traditional mold of folks who we would think would make good presidents, would be well-prepared. You know, running a national campaign, a whole different thing than running even a statewide campaign in a big state like, say, Florida. And pretty clearly, these two guys were not up to the task. They were not good candidates. They did not have good organization, and they fell by the wayside. And that, I think, you know, goes right to your point, is that that's where this process absolutely is uh, a worthwhile kind of thing to have. Now, you, you can say that, that well, did the process uh, hurt uh, Bush and Walker and, and uh, these folks who might be, you know, more substantive candidates? Um, or did they, just, did they just do a bad job? Um, and I think it's, I think it's probably more the latter. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, they did. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they both had plenty of funding. It wasn't like they were struggling to get traction or something like that. You know, they started up right at the top of the pack and through their own poor efforts dropped right down to the bottom. Well, and you know, part of it was also, maybe it's unfair to say poor efforts. Part of it, I think where there were some strategic decisions, uh, game theory type decisions of, uh, that, Everyone, you would just sort of hold your fire and wait for uh, the Donald Trump candidacy sure. to collapse, which everyone believed it would, uh, including you and I. Yep. And you would just be sort of hanging out in second place um, and uh, at that point be the presumptive nominee. Um, and, you know, you, so you, you train your fire on, on other people who were – the term in this election was sort of in your lane. It was sort of the governor's lane and a senator's lane and sort of the ideological lane. Um but uh, no, I mean, part of, part of it is the Trump candidacy and just the, the weirdness of this year kind of confounded that, um, that yeah. what would have been sort of the, the popular wisdom and the, the thing that you would think would have made sense. So kind of to, to circle back to the question, do you, do you think uh, then fundamentally that the system is broken? Uh, you know, here, here's something that always rankles me and, and most conservatives – uh, is it's broken in the sense that things like uh, ethanol uh, in in Iowa gets sort of out, outsized uh, importance uh, because everyone starts in Iowa and everyone has to make the pledge to support ethanol and so forth. Uh, I think Ted Cruz did not. That's right. That to his great credit, uh-huh. I give him that. It's very rare that I say I give Ted Cruz credit for anything, but for that I do. Right, so there, there's that. the The other thing that is maybe a little broken, and again, maybe this is this is just a matter of taste. Um, 
you know, there's there's so much silliness that goes on. You got to go to all the various county fairs and eat eat whatever bizarre food that they have there, or you know, again, participate in some goofy local tradition. And and I suppose, look, that's part of being connected to the people. Um, uh, but but does it you know does it really serve our serve our uh, government? Uh, does it get us better leaders, smarter leaders, uh, more competent? I, I don't she, know. She may be corrupt, but look at how she can eat a funnel cake. Yeah, you know exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so I don't know. You're never going to take that element out of politics, I guess. Yeah. Um, is it, you know, do some people have suggested, and I think this is not unreasonable, starting to talk about um, do primary blocks, you know, yeah. for example, you have sort of a Midwest primary, a Northeast primary, a Southern primary. We sort of had that in, in the, the so-called SEC primary uh, this year, uh, but where you, you sort of have it, it sort of cuts down on, on the expense and you get a sense of, of here's a big you know, region of the country. Now, again, that's, that's even, even a little tough because uh, states within regions can vary significantly yeah. uh, just in terms of their, their views, their politics, their culture. Yeah, actually, um, there's a, there's a formal plan along those lines that you mentioned called the rotating regional pri- primary plan. That's uh, been endorsed by the National Association of Secretaries of State, and it would do just along the lines of what you suggest. It would break the country into four primary regions, northeast, south, midwest, and west, and then each region would vote on one day, and that would be rotated every presidential election. So maybe one year the northeast would start, then the south, and what have you. And so, and the idea, certainly there would be a lot fewer elections there'd be a lot more focus on them and the but you're right i mean one of the big problems with that is these regions might be a little too ideologically similar especially like the south for instance which is very conservative tends to be very conservative and so forth whereas the midwest is a little more you know eclectic and that sort of thing so yeah i'm not really crazy about the rotating regional primary plan there's another one i wanted to mention called the small states uh, the small states plan that might not be what it's called but anyway how it works is the suggestion is that I'm sure they don't call it no that. they certainly <laughs> not um, but the idea would be to have the smallest states vote first I mean smallest in terms of you know population uh, and that would allow campaigns that maybe aren't as well funded to kind of build momentum get grassroots support that sort of thing so it'd be kind of a more democratic grassrootsy kind of thing and I, I, I don't know that I'm not sure I like that either though because that that sort of opens the door for your, your more fringe candidates. Uh, yeah, I, I tend to agree. I, I actually I actually have thought about this, Jay, and I have my very own plan, the Baranowski plan. Oh, well, plan. there you go. Yeah. Let's, let's put that out there. It is a four-point plan. I always like four-point okay. plans because you really get more than four points, and I start to lose the thread. It's more, you know? it's more than three, right? And, like, exactly. And five is too hard to remember. I think yeah. four is pretty good. So my plan relies on four things. Number one, Fewer primary voting days. Uh, right now, we have 22 separate primary voting days. I would cut that down to around 10. Okay. I Num- agree with that. Number two, more delegate balance. And what I mean by that is I think it would be if we're going to have, say, 10 or so voting days, that it would be good to have roughly the same number of delegates up for grabs. Now, that would be difficult to so, do. So no more no more Super Tuesday type yeah, they, situation. The stakes would be more or less the same. Now, you couldn't do this exactly because how the Democrats and Republicans, uh, uh, how they uh, let out their proportion of delegates based in, is based in part on how Democratic or Republican the states are. But you could do kind of a rough thing based on, say, population or something like that. So that's part two. Part okay. three – 
or 0.3, whatever, would be more ideological balance in the states. And so on any one, on any of these 10 days, ideally you'd have some kind of a mix. It wouldn't be super conservative or super liberal. There'd be kind of, again, sort of a balance. So that's point three. How do you? Oh, you're you're saying you're saying you would look to the state's voting history. And exactly. Sort of, you would sort of a, have a, you know, Mississippi and uh, Connecticut vote on the same day or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly, okay. exactly. So that's point three. Point four. I'd start the process a little later. Uh, probably maybe April or so. Now, the reason for that is, well, I just said, you know, I think that the primary process is valuable to, you know, to vet candidates and so forth. I think it goes on a little too long anyway. And if we're going to cut down the number of primary voting days from the current 22 to around 10, I think we could do with a shorter process. But also, I think we could, if we push it forward a little bit, maybe that would shorten the general election campaign. Uh, And I, I honestly think general election campaigns go on far too long. I'd like to see a general election campaign that's no more than, I don't know, two or three months at a maximum. And I think that's reasonable. Yeah. So that's my plan, my four-point plan. What do you think? That's that's not, actually not a terrible plan. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Hey, on, uh, on one you hand – You know, I guess I guess who would, who would uh, uh, supervise this, put this all together, uh, Federal Elections Commission or someone, I suppose – yeah, there, there's um, the rub. But the the other the other difficulty is, of course, states determine their own voting rules exactly, uh, yeah. and their own voting dates. Uh, so you could you you've got to get buy-in from all these these various states. Hugely difficult, and you know, while I really like my plan, and I'm glad to hear that you think it's reasonable, I'm also very skeptical about my plan, and it's just simply because it's this big national major shakeup of things. And, and okay, if you've been a listener for a while, you've got to be sick of me saying this. And some listeners in the past have actually called me to account for this, saying that you seem to like all this liberal, radical stuff. Sometimes I do. But then you you backtrack on it and say, but I'm kind of suspicious about big changes. Never really going to work. Well, yeah, I I – I tend to believe that while I'm a reasonably smart guy, uh, the world's a super complex place. And I guarantee you, even though I think this plan is a lot better than what we currently have, there have got to be at least half a dozen unintended consequences that I, because they're unintended consequences, I don't know. A lot of unknown unknowns that would maybe be make it even worse than what we currently have. So while I think this plan would be ideal, uh, I don't know that I'd necessarily vote for it just because I'm not trying yeah. to be difficult, but just I'm kind of skeptical of radical change. But anyway. Well, I would also look look back and, and to some extent maybe we say this election year is, is an outlier. Um, yep. If you look at uh, you, you know the last uh, couple uh, primaries, well, Romney, all right. Uh, you know, again, was, was he the perfect candidate, the best candidate? Uh, no, but was he fairly representative? I think, yeah. uh, he was, yeah. re- he was a reasonable candidate. Um, and was he, was he someone who I would say for the most part is you know, qualified, could do the job? Yes. God, uh, yeah. You know, it wasn't, he wasn't a Donald Trump, uh, so, uh, the time before John McCain, um, you know, again, I think there were plenty of people who were not thrilled with the McCain candidacy, more, particularly more temperament issues there, presidential yeah, temperament, temperament kind issues, of things, and, and but still, ran also his his 2000 campaign was 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 really Trumpian in in many many respects. 
that uh, you know he was going to stick it to he he had you know sort of two prongs of one I'm going to stick it to the religious right and two I'm going to stick it to the establishment conservatives the straight talk um, express oh yeah straight talking uh, he was a straight talking maverick yeah um, and you know again he sort of ran a campaign against the party and, and lost at that point so but but again um, there was a sense that John McCain again had served in the Senate for forever uh, was a decorated uh, war hero. Um, and and would be someone who who could be president. So I think that worked. And again, the Obama Hillary campaign. Um, I, I think that again, there weren't any complaints about the process there. Yeah, though um, I gotta say, I'm. You know, we've seen much more of a trend of these folks who serve part of one term in the Senate and just assume that okay, now I'm ready to be president. You know, and I'm I'm. I'm more than a little uncomfortable with that, actually. I sort of like uh, how – The only one that's really worked for has been Hillary Clinton because she also served as first lady and she's a Clinton and she's got all that going on. Yeah, a ton of experience, obviously. But, I mean, you know, Barack Obama is like that. Ted Cruz is like – we see a lot of that. I I take that back, yeah. So, yeah, you know, so I I like – I sort of like the old smoke-filled rooms kind of – uh, approach to it, and maybe some sort of a mixture, essentially. But you know, we've talked about this before a little bit. I'm, 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 I'm kind of a fan of democracy. You know, it's kind of a two cheers for democracy sort of thing. And but I also think that the the de- current democratic system, a democratic party system, which is less democratic, small d democratic, than the Republican system, has resulted in a better. A general election candidate, and so I hope that the Republicans. And again, I'll just, I just, I'll just throw it out because I have to. The the irony of that of the Democrats who are filing federal lawsuits about every vote counts and so forth, uh, except in the Democratic primary. Oh yes, in our internal kind of things, yeah, we get to call the shots. But you know, I, I hope that the Republicans will be more like that. I would love to see a system in 2020 where the Republicans have, you know, maybe uh, 15 or 20 percent of their delegates, super delegates like the like the Democrats. I don't think they'd go that high, but I certainly hope they move in that direction so that they can have candidates who. You know the party can or not be Donald Trump. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. So, so all right. Uh, anything more? Any other thoughts on this question, Jay? Uh, you know, on this on the Senate thing. Um, yeah. The, had Kennedy served an entire term in the Senate when uh, he was elected? Now I I don't know. He certainly he certainly wasn't a a longtime senator. Obviously, I'm trying to think of when right. he was first elected, but he was not he was not vastly experienced. Not only that, I should point out that Kennedy very sort of strategically uh, did almost nothing in the Senate so that he would not have any kind of a big paper trail that could be, you know, used against him. And of course, he, he voted present, as yeah, they say. Yeah, he voted, he and, and he ran against the vastly more experienced Richard Nixon, uh, who, you know, had been the vice president and so forth, had long, long history. It's not to suggest that experience is always a good thing necessarily. But, no, I was uh, just picking up on your, your statement about, yeah, about senators and a, a fairly recent vintage all of a sudden thinking, thinking they could be president. Yeah. And I'm, I was just looking for historical precedents on yeah, that. Yeah, I think yeah. Kennedy's one. I'm not sure going back further than that, uh, Taft earlier on, but Taft had been in the Senate for quite a while and, you know, Governor Ohio, all, all those kind of other things. But, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that doesn't have anything to do with changing our primary process. I'm just sort of using to myself. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's fine. So, yeah, I think, I think we did, uh, I think we pretty fully addressed the question, I'd say. So, I mean, well, I would I mean, say. Best, as, as, to the best of our abilities. <laughs> 
Oh, I, I, I don't know. I think we're, we're downplaying. I, I think that, that well, I guess my final word on that is, yeah, I think the system's, I don't know if I'd use the word broken. I would say imperfect. And I would say especially on the Republican side. And that's because I, in my view, ironically, the Republican side is too Democratic, small d Democratic. And I yeah. hope that changes. And, and I would just say to the, the extent that uh, it's, it's less the system and maybe what you put into the system uh, is what you get out of it. And, garbage in, garbage uh, out. In this case, we, we're, we've got a weird year. So Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, then. That's it for this episode of Ask the Politics, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you have any questions for future episodes or just any thoughts, comments, or criticisms, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is politicsguys at gmail.com. Our Facebook page, where Jay and I post and comment on news articles throughout the week and where you can join in, facebook.com slash page. And if you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher, we would really appreciate it if you could take just a minute, honestly, it only takes about a minute, to rate the show and write a quick review. And finally, if you like what we're doing and want us to be able to keep on doing it, a donation of even a dollar or two. The price of a set of three Gerber graduates' kitty cutlery forks would really help. You'll find donation links on our site, politicsguys.com. Ask the Politics Guys will be back next Wednesday. We hope you'll join us.